LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. Hundreds. Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over a hundred years ago. Well, it's not like you said it in front of your dad. Standing on a boat. I didn't say go beyond the reef because I want to be on the ocean. But you still do. He's hard on you because... Because he doesn't get me. Because he was you. Drawn to the ocean, down by the shore. He took a canoe, Moana. He crossed the reef and found an unforgiving sea. Waves like mountains. His best friend begged to be on that boat. Your dad couldn't save him. He's hoping he can save you. Sometimes, who we wish we were, what we wish we could do, it's just not meant to be. All right, everybody. So this is a clip from Moana, and it's going to start us off because the fact is, is that if you think about what our picture of our show is, we got Ward and June Cleaver with the beaver, and we've got these low expectations that our parents have placed on us, that society allows us to believe. We have been told that we can't have pretty much anything, that it's been a nonstop deprivation of our needs, our wants, our desires, our our vision of what could be. And there's always somebody that saunters through that's busy trying to tell you how you just want free stuff or you can't have those things or uh, nothing is free and there's always limits and there's all this shit, right? Stuff that people, they have no empirical way of laying it out, but they impose that constraint on you. They compose that constraint on your brain. They compose that constraint on society. And then everything that we want, need, et cetera, we just learn to walk with a limp and we say, hey, you know what? We're resourceful. We pulled ourselves up from our bootstraps. We figured it out, right? We figured it out. And so it's this dumbing down of expectations. It's this ridiculous perversion, this false scarcity narrative that we impose upon we the people. The rich don't have any such delusions. They go ahead and they preach the stories of bootstraps and they, they try to make us feel guilty about asking for more. The reality is you look at Elon Musk and guys like that, almost the entirety of the funding for SpaceX, for Tesla, for all of Elon Musk's wealth came as a direct subsidy from the federal government. But people will be the first to tell you you just want free stuff and, and so forth. So we allow these like blockers, these stupid colloquial blockers that were passed on by a different generation, a generation that lived during the, the, uh, the, the huge depression, the great depression. And they, they, they bootstrapped it through and they, they celebrate how they, yeah, my fingernails are filthy and my, my fingers are broken and twisted, but damn it. I know how to work hard for a living. I worked really, 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 really well. Right. And so all these 
beliefs that we funnel into our brains that become part of society stop a movement from asking for more, okay? There's this like sweet spot of people that get that we can have nice things, that get the role of taxation, that don't simply say stupid shit like nothing is free and uh, there's a limit to the money and blah, blah, blah. These are lies that Reich wingers, Sig Heil Reich wingers preach to each other. And older generations that didn't know any better tell their kids, and those kids then become voters, and then they tell everybody how there's no such thing as a free lunch. There's no way that we could possibly pay for college. You took on the debt. Deal with it. You deal with that debt. Their, their ability to envision anything beyond that is so stunted, so retarded, so dropped down and depressed and, and literally made so that they can't envision a better future. They cannot envision a better future. And to think that they would say it, somebody would come out and call it a fantasy. See, there are bad people in this world that will try to dumb you down, keep you down. And then there are good people that are just stupid as fuck or have been propagandized that will keep pressing you down as well. In the end, you can envision, if you remember the, the, the movie, The Crudes, the cartoon, The Crudes, the father was like, oh, no, we can't go out of the cave. It's far too dangerous, far too scary. No, no, if we go out of the cave, we'll die. And it's this belief that traps us all. And I want you to think about it. I talk all the time about the coal in the stocking that they present to you. The, 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 if you don't do good things, you're going to have coal in your stocking. And I remember growing up, all the things that my parents would tell me, all these things that my parents would tell me that were ridiculous and stupid. I love my parents, love them to death. But they said some of the most stupid, propagandized, non-forward thinking stuff to me I could ever imagine. And thank God I didn't hold on to it. Thank God I broke free from some of it because literally the limitations to what we can achieve are usually found in people that don't understand. They don't have any clue, but they have very loud voices and they try and push you to a place where these things are impossible. There's no way to do them. How in the world could you possibly do that? What do you think? There are people out there who don't realize that we could literally, really literally wipe away all student debt without any issue whatsoever. None. Like, like it wouldn't impose a single tax on another individual, but they can't envision it because they've already been dumbed down to the point of stupid, dumbed down to the point of like completely feckless and out of the game. They have been sidelined with low expectations. They've been sidelined with the idea that if you ask for more, you're just an entitled privileged little child or some bullshit like that. This is the lesser specimen kind of mindedness that is filling, literally filling our entire electorate, our entire voting population. The people of this country go into colleges, go into elementary schools, go into middle schools, go to churches and talk about this fake scarcity crap. They depress your brain. They make you feel that none of these things are possible. And we tell each other the shit at the grocery store. We tell each other the shit at the kids' baseball game. We tell each other this shit everywhere. We're busy telling each other how we can't do these things. We're busy saying what is impossible. And though if pressed, 
if pressed to explain why it's impossible, they can't answer the fucking question because they didn't have even like a base to what they're talking about. And the base that they do pull from is full of bullshit and propaganda. Now, I want you to understand something. I sat there and thought about it. In the movie Moana, for those of you who have never seen the movie Moana, Moana is about this young girl who I guess is going to take over the the village someday and be the queen of the island. And, and dad is this old curmudgeon, loves his kids, but he's got this thing about going past the coral reef. And as you saw in the video, the, she's daughter's all depressed and mother's busy, busy explaining what dad was thinking. Well, you know, when your dad grew up, he was you. And he had all these crazy ideas about going out beyond the coral reef and going out into the sea, but it was crazy. So nobody should go out there. And so he pulls back and everybody gets all huddled and scared and whatnot. Well, the dad losing his best friend in some storm and kid drowns, I guess. It's got to be pretty traumatic. And then that has become the case study for all things to rule that island. Well, thank God Moana said, I'm not obeying your stupid, conservative, ridiculous ideas. The island can't feed itself. We don't have any fish. Something's got to change. Something must change. And so she gets in this boat and braves it past the breakers, gets up, all of a sudden it's in smooth open seas okay and this is a metaphor of sorts for everything with us we are constantly told we can't we can't we can't we can't we can't we can't and ultimately in the end it's the idiots that have like cool things to say that don't really understand anything but they've got lots to say that sidetrack so many I'll bet you there's people even in the chat right now, though I can't see it, that are doing that sort of thing right now as we speak. And unfortunately, this is pervasive throughout Twitter. It's pervasive throughout Facebook. It's not like people dreaming a better dream and thinking about what we can do and then using the power of fiat to make it happen, like solving climate crisis or eradicating student debt or making school free for all or, fuck, providing housing for everyone as a right. There's absolutely zero preventing any of this from happening because we have been bought into this belief that there is no alternative, that you got to work really hard for the man and hopefully you can bring home a good paycheck and you come home, raise a family and do all these things. And you got all these like colloquialisms and good ideas and whatever, you know, rules of thumb and stuff like that, that they pass on. These are good common sense and all the other shit that the Sig Heil Reich wing likes to preach to their kids to keep them dumb and stupid and in this narrow box, okay? Because they're afraid. They're afraid. They're terrified. Terrified of walking out of the cave. Terrified of seeing what the world looks like. And in the end, it's like, what, what's the point of all that? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, what is the point of all that? So. There is an article by Roger Malcolm Mitchell called The Gap, The Whole Gap, and Nothing But The Gap. And it talks about gap psychology between the people above and the people down here. The people down here are living a totally different world. They're living in a world where they're like saying, I need something done, and I need something done now. Okay? 
and all the rest of those people, all the rest of the people that make up the whole of, say, the United States are broken down into different little tiers, if you will, of how much the impact of change would be. And it's very different because on this hand, you've got change that improves their lives. And on this hand, you've got change that they're afraid is going to take away their prestige and power because after all, if these folks have some, then, oh my God, these people have to have less. But that's not necessarily how it has to work. That's not necessarily how it works. Yes, exactly. Jay, the informant. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly where I was going with. But you think about that gap though, right? And how do they measure their success? And as long as they can look down and see someone below them, they're okay. And I think the hardest part about this is that in the beginning, let's say at the beginning of an electoral cycle, everybody's excited. The candidates preach and fire. They're talking about all these bold ideas they could pull off, all these fantastic ideas. And you've got near universal support. I mean, like near universal support. And then as soon as you say, but we need to go ahead and rally and organize or do whatever. I've talked about this too. That group shrinks down to this. And then once you add another layer of, well, now we need to go ahead and make sure that we cover this with media or whatever. And then it shrinks down to this. And then you say, but we need to go ahead and talk to all of our friends, family, and blah, blah, blah. And then it shrinks down. And all of a sudden you've got this small group of dedicated people that are really willing to fight for something that have this vision of better, but everybody else checks out and says, ah, you know, I think it's a really good idea and it'd be really great, but we must be practical. We really must be practical after all. There's no basis for what they're talking about with practicality. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about with practicality. They're just putting their stamp of diminished expectations on this thing because they know at the end of the day, in order to make the thing happen, they have to be a threat to the Democratic Party. They got to be a threat to the Democratic Party. They've actually got to tell the Democratic Party, I will not vote for you if you do not do X, Y, Z, okay? And that group of people that could put the pressure on those politicians, if you believe that they even listen, that group of people says, well, that's a bridge too far. I'm not actually going to, I'm not actually going to hold the Democratic Party accountable because I'm going to vote blue no matter who. And I am going to support the candidate, whoever the candidate, who the nominee is. I am, no matter what, you can count on me. I will support the nominee, period. So you've gone from, we got to do this. There's people dying. It could make our lives better. Everybody's like, yay, fist in the air in the land of hypocrisy. And then, a little bit of work added to it. We got to do just a tiny little bit of work. And they all check out. Then you say, but you've got to hold your elected representative for your party accountable. And that's when you lose all of the Democrats. That's, that's when the Democratic Party shits on itself, literally dies on its own vine right there. That moment, bam, right there. Because there's parasites, evil, bad parasites that are in that diminished expectations realm that just say, Vote blue, vote for Summer, vote for Pedro, whatever. 
vote blue no matter who the blue wave let's let's bring a blue wave through baby it's not let's make this thing happen baby it's vote blue no matter who because no matter what no matter how shitty the deal is no matter how shitty the plan is they're going to vote blue no matter who and that's the that's it that's it that's it that's all it is and so they have already raised their hand and said, I'm as the minute there's any pushback at all, I'm done fighting for this. And then it becomes a, 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 like a, just a rain shower of how privileged you are and how fucking crazy you are and how fringe and how radical you are. And these crazy tea party lefties are making demands for health care. What the fuck is wrong with you? But they believe the shit. Why? Because we've been trained to believe that it is a sign of good character to have carried a bag of ice 50 flights of stairs and bare feet, walked in the snow to school on broken glass, sat there and, you know, helped dad from morning till dusk in the fields. It was good character building stuff. And they diminish everything. Everything is diminished by this belief that we really don't deserve anything. Now, part of this, I believe, is the Christian Christian taint, if you will. This Christian taint of hard work and bootstraps and so forth. And I believe that so many people have trained themselves with depression thinking, great depression thinking, hoarding and 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 literally austere living literally austerity because just be grateful for that job you should be grateful for that job not that there should be abundance but that you should be grateful you should be truly grateful that you have this minimum wage job you know and and i think back to why this matters with black and brown people and slavery and and things like that, how this stuff really impacted us. And for a century, maybe longer, but since Reconstruction and the end of the Civil War, white Southerners and basically Republican-minded type people and the bull weevil type Democrats, the Dixiecrats, have long since tried to figure out how to replace slave labor in their in their construct first they started issuing things like vagrancy laws during reconstruction to prevent black people from not having jobs if they didn't have a job they could be captured by the state and forced to work once again and basically slavery okay the idea of being forced to work in the way that we are is a form of slavery in the way that it is it's not a matter of we shouldn't work. It's not a matter of there isn't important things to do for the community. It isn't a matter of that we shouldn't participate in society so that we're contributing to everyone's benefit since we can you know, get to receive benefit. I, I believe in the reciprocity there of civic responsibility. I believe in that. But that said, the idea here is that they have been trying tooth and nail to find a way to enslave us. And what do they do now? They use debt. They use debt to enslave us. 
to prevent us from dreaming a better dream. On one hand, they got the paradox. They've got the TV commercials blaring 100 miles an hour. They got YouTube filled with commercials everywhere. They've got every single thing you look at filled with commercials about this wonderful life that you should see. And then you watch sports or you watch whatever shows you watch to decompress and disconnect from the shitty world that we're in. And inside there, you watch rich people enjoying rich people things, making rich people decisions about things that none of us will ever be able to decide because we have to decide if we're going to get a cavity filled or pay the mortgage. Okay. So we've got this belief that's pressed down on us because we don't have it like that. We're always thinking, well, I, I must be nice, must be nice. Well, it could be nice, right? It could be nice. It really could be. But we have been trained to believe that this is the way it is, that the people that made it to the top are good people because, after all, they did the right things. That's why they're up top. The reason you're on the bottom is because you did all the wrong things. You suck. You suck. You suck. Everything about you sucks. Your life sucks. You deserve this. You should have made better choices, you irresponsible son of a bitch. You know these stories, right? You've heard them. I know you have. They use this to control us, to prevent us from asking for more. Now, I want you to know that a few times these fuckers have said the quiet part out loud. They realized that during the pandemic, when the government was making these uh, bold spending things in the middle of it, hey, people are going to start to get used to this sort of thing. We better not let anybody believe that. We better never, we better not let anyone believe that. Because if we let them believe that, they're going to ask for more. And what happens when they realize the jig is up that we're sitting here pretending like we deserve four-star, five-star meals every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and brunch, and everything else, and all the wine that we want, and all the other things that we want, because we have this thing called money. Well, where did you get that money? How did you earn that money? What did you do to get that money? Why? What about you? deserves to have this stuff that makes all of us not deserve to have those things. Why is it that we're priced out of a decent life, but you're able to enjoy a decent life? Why is the structure of society so stratified? Why are you in that position? And we've been built to believe that it's okay, that this is normal, that they're doing great things and we just have to work a little bit harder. Maybe get a little bit more creative. So you're just not inventive enough. You're just not thinking enough on how you can sell your body and your work and your time to the man to make more chits so you can have the good things in life. If you just did what they did, you could have what they have and you could do what they do and you'd be so great then. And then what happens? And you go out, you get your degrees, you do all these things, but guess what? They didn't tell you. There is another barrier there. There's a tax to keep you out of the good zone. That's called student debt. And they're going to block you at every step along the way from achieving that next level up. They're going to keep you in that box. Why? Because you believe it. You believe it. You may not believe you believe it. You may even think you don't believe it. But I'm telling you, as I speak this shit, I know it's been ingrained in me forever that I don't feel deserving, even though I'm telling you I think I'm deserving. I'm telling you I don't feel deserving of getting my teeth fixed. I feel like I've made so many bad decisions in my life that the enamel being stripped from all my teeth is something I deserve. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Even though I fundamentally know I shouldn't deserve having teeth rotting the fuck out of my mouth, I know that I've probably made some bad decisions in my life, and I probably, I guess, deserve this. So I've accepted that bullshit too. Do you see how pervasive this is? I'm giving a speech about this very thing, and I'm cognitively aware of this very thing, yet I'm telling you my life is still ruled by that very thing. Every time I don't get a good present for my kids for their birthday, something stupid has nothing to do with them. They'll be fine because we've passed on the gene of you should be grateful. We've done it too. I've done it. You need to be grateful. Why is that? Because I have been trained to believe that if anything good happens in this world, it's a miracle. That I don't deserve anything good. That you don't deserve it. I mean, I believe we do, though, and that's what I'm fighting tooth and nail, both in my internal spirit, if you will, the spirit of disbelief that I deserve anything other than a kick in the face. And yet I'm trying to disabuse myself while simultaneously trying to get you all to see the same thing. It's very, very hard to claw past the Warden June Cleaver. You got three pairs of pants folded up nice and neat in your drawer. You got three pairs of white tidy whities in your drawer. You've got a belt. You've got a single pair of shoes for school and play. And you've got one pair of shoes for uh, uh, church on Sunday, whatever. You, You know what I'm talking about? You know, you hand me down the glove. It means something. See, handing down a glove to your kid in your baseball, that's heritage. That's passing down something. But in many ways, it's also seen as a way of skimping and saving money and being frugal and being fruitful and not wasting and and things like that. And as noble and novel as it is to conserve, and it's necessary in this time of climate crisis, The wrong people are having to skimp on the wrong things, a la healthcare, a la security, safety, a la being able to ensure that they have a roof over their head. We're not talking about frivolity. We're not talking about a yacht. We're not talking about anything else. We're talking about the basics of life. But we have allowed television media of all varieties and our own activists to keep us in the barrel like crabs in a barrel that we don't deserve any better. And yet we spent, I cannot tell you how much time people spend watching things like real housewives, watching things like, you know, shark tank and watching all these shows where rich people do rich people things. And we stare on and we just go, Oh, wow. Okay but we're infinitely aware that we just don't deserve it. And when I'm talking about having things, let me just be crystal clear because people can't stay in the bowling lane. They they jump lanes when we're talking about this stuff. I went to get a CT scan for a growth in my neck the other day. I told you all this in one of my other live streams, but I'm telling you now, I have a growth in my neck that big. That It's right there. That's that's it. It's right there. It's the size of a golf ball in the side of my neck. 
It's got little tentacles of sorts that are connecting up through and going around, but it's benign. It's not cancerous in any way, shape or form. But to get to figure that out, I had to have a CT scan. My affordable health insurance paid whatever it was going to pay. And then I had to sign right there before I even got treated that I understood that a $700 bill was going to be coming courtesy of my, my, uh, the lack of healthcare that I have for this diagnostic test that proved that I don't in fact have cancer. Okay. $700 after insurance. Okay. So in my mind, because this is not what I've always had when I was a child, I know my mom and dad had good health insurance through the um, Ma Bell. And when we would go to the doctors, all these tests were free. We didn't even think about it. It wasn't like, oh, my God, how much is the x-ray going to be? We can only afford one x-ray. If it's going to be this much, we can't afford two x-rays. We can only afford one. You better get the right angle the first time. We didn't have that. When I was growing up, these sorts of things were just sort of what you took care of. Now, that does not take into account the millions upon millions of people that did not have any kind of health insurance, okay? Which is why the ACA even had a prayer of being seen as legitimate. But the ACA has further destroyed our for-profit system in a big, big way. Costs are going up. They're not going down, okay? And they know they could solve this. They know they could. But if you dare knew that you could do this, guess what? They would say, oh, it's a moral hazard to making healthcare free. Why? Because then you'll live your worst life. You'll go out and get fucked up. You'll go out there and eat like shit. You'll stop exercising all with the mindset that you could just go get a lap band or a tummy tuck or a gastric bypass to avoid all your eating habits. You see, they have already got it in their head that if they gave you this, there's a moral hazard to helping you. I want you to think about that. They are using the idea that you will become dependent on this and that you will take advantage of this. And so if they don't tell you that you've got to pay through the nose for healthcare, you'll get fat and happy and go ahead and get whatever you want to do. So the moral hazard is the key here. There are red states out there right now. Now, to be fair, you all can say what you want. I am not sitting here licking the ears of uh, Democrats. It's not my MO at all. Okay. I hope you all know that by now. Okay. But I will tell you, all things are not the same. There are Republican states out there that are so wedded to this idea that I just laid out here that we can't do things, we can't be dependent on the government, et cetera, that they have turned down Medicaid expansion. They have turned down monies from the federal government that could help them facilitate a more caring society in their state. They don't want it. They want you desperate. They want you bootstrapping it because they feel like you'll be a better conservative coming out of there because when you've survived it with bootstraps, then you're going to spread your ideology around as well. Okay. And this is a way of life for these people. You got to pull it up by your bootstraps. Now, mind you, they didn't come up with these ideas on their own. These things have been passed down from generation to generation. They've been talked about in their Southern Baptist churches. They've been talked about in all the other aspects of their life. Okay. And so these thoughts and stuff have been pumped into their brains. They have been heavily propagandized. 
to the point where they see the logic. They now know the logic, the logic, okay? And there are groups out there that are paid big bucks to make sure that we don't dream a bigger dream. There are people out there actively working to ensure that we don't ask for much, that we stay tame, that we stay in these bubbles, and that we don't ask for more. So when you think about what is it going to take for us to get Medicare for all? Well, I can tell you right now, there are a lot of people out there that say they want Medicare for all in those polls and stuff like that. But like I said at the beginning, if I tell you in order to make this representative listen, that you have to actually form a, a verifiable threat to them. They've got to think it's credible threat that you are going to do something about their campaign. You're going to do what you can to force them to not run, to primary them, to do whatever, to vote. You'll, you'll do, you'll abstain, whatever. Okay. Because there are so many really wretched vote blue, no matter who Democrats that refuse to put pressure on their party, because after all, what do you want? Trump, right? This, this, worthless mindset that they deploy and this worthless way of talking to people about what do you want Trump? What do you want the Republicans? What do you want this? What do you want that? These worthless people that do this, right? Worthless. They've been dumbed down too, right? They've been dumbed down to believe that this is the only path forward. And because everybody wants to belong to a group, their religion is vote blue, no matter who. Their tribe is vote blue no matter who. And that means that, hey, I remember a few Congresses ago, we didn't have no good people to support, but damn it, these Congress critters that we put in there, they were Democrats, so I feel good about it. It was the best we could have done at that time. Everybody was really conservative, so we just, we just did what we had to do. We let the party do what it does. But you know what, though? It wasn't such a good Congress, but we still vote blue no matter who, motherfucker. Got it? So this is the thinking, the stinking thinking. And they push that thinking. So there is no buildup. There is no movement buildup. There is no pressure because there are so many people that have a built-in trip switch. The minute you say, I've got to apply pressure to a Democratic candidate, they're done. They are done. Done out of here gone refuse and the worst part the worst part is many of these people are very well to do very well to do okay live the best life and they will do whatever they can to protect that which they have gained and it doesn't make a hill's bit of difference not a single ounce of difference if you're going to die by them keeping the thing in place that they are keeping in place, they don't give a flying fuck because they are all about keeping that thing because they've been told the story that the reason why you have nice things is because you're a good person and you did the right things. You took care of yourself. You exercised every day. You ate properly. You went to school. You did the, they don't care that mommy and daddy gave them a free ride. They don't care that their grandparents left a million dollars to them. They'll never have to wonder where the electric bill's getting paid or not. 
They don't care about any of that. They don't care that they inherited a fortune from somebody else. They don't care that that fortune was built on slave labor. They don't care that those ill-gotten gains that they inherited came from slavery. They don't care about any of that. They only care that right here, right now, I want you to have health care, but if it means I've got to fight against a Democrat, that's too far. You do remember the weeping and gnashing of teeth that so many of these navel-gazing rich people had with force the vote? The idea of forcing Congress to do its job to actually out those who were standing in the way of Medicare for all. They were more interested in vote blue no matter who. The worthless people fought back against that. Now, there's a whole crew of people on the other side that have gone completely off their rocker, have found solace in Tucker Carlson, and are literally a lost cause, in my opinion, at this point. They have gone so far in the horseshoe that they are the right now, okay? But on the flip side to that, there is no left because the left, the bit that is there is marginalized. You go a little bit further into the center on the left and you've got a bunch of equivocators that the minute you tell them they have to do anything, they will check out. They're done. So we've got a very, 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 very small, 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 small group of people that are willing to dream a better dream and really, really stay focused on fighting for that dream. So where do we go now? You know what I'm saying? Where, where, where do we go now? So I, I think that it's important. I think it's important that we spend an awful lot of time talking to each other about what the possibilities are. You need to understand that financially speaking, there is no issue. The only thing there is a myth and a legend blocking us from executing great, bold policy. It's not a financial constraint that's stopping us. There is no financial constraint stopping us whatsoever. There is only a mental constraint, a political constraint, a organizing constraint, a information constraint, a, a truth constraint, and a deprogramming constraint. Most people cannot envision a world that is not exactly as it is today, even if it's shitty, even if it's the worst world possible, they can't imagine a world better than that. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you, you, uh, Jesus comes in with a, I think we should have to focus on vertical farming. I think that's a very, very real thing, but I want to be crystal clear. I want to be crystal clear. This is all the stuff we need to be talking about constantly. Okay. You know, now here's one thing that's really challenging. And I'm just going to say this outright because these are the things that I think are a bigger problem, right? There are constraints. There are real legitimate constraints out there, real legitimate constraints. And of those real legitimate constraints, they come into play when somebody that is very excited about an idea found a group of people like public banking or the UBI crowd or whatever that don't understand the underlying system. They don't understand any of what we're talking about. But they get excited about these things. 
And when you explain to them the constraints that drive those things, it becomes a real problem because they don't want to hear it. They literally don't want to hear it. I'm going to, I'm going to take a few minutes here. I want to play a video. Um, if I can find it anyway, um, that I created, actually it was created for me by a guy named Curtis back a few years ago. And, um, I think that this is like just such a powerful, such a powerful video. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play this video here real quickly. I'm going to try to anyway. And if I'm good at it and if I'm able, I'm going to be really, really happy. So give me one second. I'm going to see if I can pull this bad boy up. And Chrome tab and there we go. And why does that not look good? I don't like the way this stuff comes out. Maybe it's because I've got this thing spread too far. Maybe that's the key. I don't know. So if I look at entire screen, I don't want that. If I look at window, does that do it for me? Or if I look at Chrome tab, I'm going to do Chrome tab folks. Forgive me. This is probably not the way you'd like it to be, but that's what I'm doing. Um, so if I do that and click share, now you guys can see this, right? I think you can. It sucks the way it does it though. That really does suck. So I'm, my apologies, folks. I'm going to try and get this better here. No guarantees that it will be better, but I'm going to try. And here we go. Tell me if you guys hear this when I play it though. Okay. A job guarantee solves something that a UBI does not. Providing a job for every person that can't find work, the UBI provides cash. Cash only gets you what you can afford. If your healthcare costs you $50, but your UBI is only 49, you can't buy healthcare. If your rent is 1500 and your UBI is only a thousand, you can't pay your rent. I'm 22. I have a one-year-old son. I'm a single mom. I make $7.50 an hour at McDonald's. Nothing. But with Universal, what happens is the entire economy levels out. It becomes a status quo. That guarantee has to continue to rise constantly for it to become truly effective, but the production needs to match the rise in the prices. Unfortunately, that's not how this is set up. None of the proposals are set up like that. You see how they've been with Social Security. That should be a real red flag. I've been homeless for approximately five years now. I'm drawing my Social Security, but it's not enough to pay for my rent. What you really have is the gateway drug for libertarians to eliminate public space. They don't need everybody. They don't want everybody. They believe that it's important to keep a certain number of people unemployed by making the, the onus, putting the onus on the individual to provide for themselves, to make good choices. You know this idea and this metaphor of a bootstrap started off as a joke because it's a physical impossibility to lift yourself up by a bootstrap, by your shoelaces. It's physically impossible. The whole thing is a From joke. my vantage point, People think cash is king. What is your UBI going to pay for healthcare? Probably not. 
Is your UBI going to pay your rent? Probably not. And so this is one of those key things that facilitates the gig economy, the Uberization of America. It is the Trojan horse. We are really, really trapped by a propaganda campaign that has kept us with diminished imaginations and diminished dreams. Imagine a married woman who's been abused is stuck in a horrible situation. When you give her a federal job guarantee with a hashtag living wage, now all of a sudden she can leave. Talk about mobility. We've got new mobility for an underclass that has never had a chance. A UBI will never give them that. We're not just throwing cash at the problem. We're actually providing the structure so other people can't leech off of it. Powers that be, the power elite can't leech off it and benefit from it once again. If you look at reparations, the concept of reparations, reparations has absolutely got to be more than a cash payout. Ayanna Presley is putting a bill out right now. This job guarantee is the greatest bill I've seen in, in a long, long time. As far as democratizing employment. Mr. Bezos. You are worth $182 billion. That's a B. $182 billion. You're the wealthiest person in the world. Why are you doing everything in your power to stop your workers in Bessemer, Alabama, from joining a union so that they can negotiate for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions? This is as close to a a national co-op, a public option for employment. We're not talking about dig a hole, fill a hole, dig a hole, fill a hole. All you have to do is read Pavlina Cherneva's book on the federal job guarantee. All right, folks, I hope you all like that. That's an old one. Now, our organization used to create things like that, and I hope we get back to doing more of that. But that right there talked about the diminished expectations, the diminished imagination of what we could do, how we could be, how we could structure society to take back the power. Folks, take back the power. Not just the power of government, but the power of our minds, the power of our ability to dream a better dream and to do it, to consider it real and possible. This is not telling you that you can be anything you want, Johnny, just go do some hard work. I'm here to tell you that if we prioritize people and life in general, whether it be the environment, ecology of it all the the animals the the fish of the sea the trees our entire ecological system the balance of that if we can make everything rise in terms of that being vibrant in terms of reclaiming our minds so that we can what would you like to do wouldn't you like not to worry wouldn't you like not to be in fear of losing a job wouldn't you like to be living your best life and making decisions based on things that make you feel better about everything. You know, whatever you want to do, being a part of society and yet at the same time, not being diminished by the low expectations and the, the impossibly bad imaginations that so many have.
It's like the only thing people can imagine are, are destruction and death. They can't imagine recreating the public commons into this beautiful way. They can't envision believing in something better than themselves. They can't envision putting down their need to be on top and joining with each other to fight for these causes. I would like to see that, but we have all been destroyed. Our spirits destroyed. Our ability to process information completely destroyed. We carry the tools of our oppressors into everyday life. We parrot the things that have been told to us every day. Think about how many assholes run around talking about their hard-earned tax dollars because Margaret Thatcher said, oh, there is no public money. There's only taxpayer dollars, right? And ever since Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan did that, lefties who hate Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, busy with the wood on their back carrying those buckets of water everywhere they go, they're busy carrying Margaret Thatcher's water the neoliberal water, and they are swearing to God that they are lefties through and through, but they are carrying Maggie Thatcher's water everywhere. There is no alternative. There is only taxpayer money. And because of that, because of that really, really serious barrier to dreaming a better dream, that taxpayer myth, that bullshit about the scarcity of dollars and wherever will we get them and then the morons running around distracting us once again with even more diminishing oh the Rothschilds oh the this and then they come up with all these explainers for why we can't the fact is and this is just a fact the fact is is that our entire existence is based on lies and bullshit that have been told for a generation or 10 that keep coming forward and we will be the vessels that carry it forward and diminish our own children's dreams, diminish their expectations, diminish the world that we could be handing to them because we are busy carrying our oppressors forward. We're taking them, even though they're dead and gone, we're still fucked in the head because of them and we pass it on. We've got to end the generational curse. We've got to end the generational curse. And everybody, this cracks me up. It's, it's depressing, and it cracks me up all in the same breath. I hear so many people that say we can't have change in this country or in the world until all the boomers die off. We can't have change in this country until all the old professors retire and die off because they're too busy defending the books they wrote and all the lies they've told. Their entire profession and career depends on those lies staying in place. So we can't have any progress until those people die and these people die and those people die. But alas, those people weren't stupid. They passed off their knowledge to the next generation. The boomers passed on their hatred for Russians and the Red Scare to their kids. They passed on the duck and cover from the, the old 60s uh, hiding under the bed because of nuclear war. They passed on all those thoughts and there's a whole new generation that maybe doesn't know all the particulars of that, but they have all the same fears now and they carry those fears with them. And that my friends is the next generation. 
That's the ones that are going to be taking care of us when we're in old age homes, unable to care for ourselves because there were no pensions. There were no increases in social security. Everything was taken from us. The tax man cometh, the student debt man cometh, all these things to prevent us from ever being free, ever being free. Because freedom is not the purpose that they're striving for. They're striving for control. The tax is a means of the government provisioning itself, not to collect for revenue, but to collect because you need it. And the government then can make you do things. It can change your life by the tax. The tax itself is a means of control. It's a means of forcing us to use the currency because the tax is what maintains the value of the currency. This is why it doesn't make a shit's bit of difference if some libertarian asshole stuck on Bitcoin loses faith in the dollar. When the tax man comes, the tax man's going to say, you sure as fuck better sell your Bitcoin and give me some U.S. dollars because that's what we accept in payment of your taxes. Okay, so all this stuff is in our way. We, you and I, have to be a rogue strain of truth that goes into everywhere telling people that we can dream a better dream, telling people that we can have nice things, telling people about modern monetary theory, telling people about these things so we can shatter the shackles that our parents put on our back. Here, let's talk about this for a second. I've got like five minutes, so let's talk about this for a second. Why do we never talk about shrinking the work week? What would leverage labor? One of the most important commodities we need to have an economy workers provide the labor. Well, first things first, you'll notice, and I'm, I'm, I trust each and every one of you listens to our podcast, Macro and Cheese. And I'm going to put this up on the screen because I feel like there's too many people that don't actually listen to macro and cheese. But if you listen to macro and cheese, I have been focused very heavily for the last month or so and really longer over the several years we focused on, but definitely hardcore focused on unions and the need for organizing and the need for um, class struggle unionism. I've talked to Joe Burns. I've talked with, uh, well, Liz Medina, who is the director of the Vermont AFL-CIO, will be on this week. A few weeks back, we had David Van Dusen, who is the president of the AFL-CIO of Vermont, on as well. We've talked to Joe Burns, who is an author and a writer. We've talked to Sarah Nelson, who's the head of the airline uh, attendance uh, union. We have talked to many, many people in labor. Marianne Garceau. Check these things out. They're all in that Macro and Cheese podcast. It is available coming out tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., okay? I need to make sure that you guys understand that in order for us to have a shortened work week or to have any kind of thing like that, we would need to have a labor movement. And that is what I've been preaching every day for as long as I can remember. The unions, just so you know, do not know MMT. They don't. They still run around with that taxpayer dollar, my hard-earned tax dollars pay. They don't want to hear it either. So we've got to find ways into union shops, into these people's heads, and help disabuse them of the lies, help disabuse them of those things as well. Now, with that in mind, the idea of a shorter work week 
remote work, all kinds of things. The federal job guarantee, having things in your local community. There's so much that we do talk about, so much that we should talk about. But the idea of shrinking the work week, these are all things that we can talk about. These are all things that why not? Of course we can do that. Why is it not the top thing? Folks, we can't even get regular people to understand that the federal government can afford anything we can dream of that's for sale in U.S. dollars. They can't even fathom that. So unfortunately, there is a lot of people out there that unless the Democrats are saying organized, they won't listen to you. And there's a lot of other people out there that unless you were out there holding hands with ivermectin, you're no longer valid to listen to. Nothing you say unless you were out there humping ivermectin makes you worth anything to them. So they're lost. They're a lost cause. Can't even focus on them anymore. Just have to focus on whatever, whoever will listen. I don't care who it is that listens. I don't know who my audience is half the time anymore. I just make the points that I make and hope to God people hear them and absorb them and take them beyond. But the fact is, is that we go against a lot of them simply because the truth is different than what they're saying. And because of the very, very shackles on their mind, because they don't understand the things we're saying, they end up stuck too. And I started this thing off telling you point blank. I have been impacted by this propaganda as well. Everybody has. They just don't realize it. And it's to different levels and different wavelengths. We've got to find a way to bust out of that. And to me, point blank in this fight here is understanding that our government could afford anything for sale in U.S. dollars. That if that's if, if we can take money out of the equation, take the shackles off. Imagine what we can do. Imagine what we could solve. And imagine how everyone could have a good and enriching life. Health would no longer be a concern that would bankrupt people. Education would no longer be something that you do for the man. It would be because you want to. You want to learn. You want to grow. You want to make yourself fulfilled. But we, we, we've shit on that. We act like that's some horrible thing. And it's up to us, really, honestly, to change that narrative and change it quickly. Because if not, the bad guys keep coming up with the bad narratives. So I'm here to tell you with that, I'm Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar, and I'm out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the real progress in action youtube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org 